Hello everyone, uh, this is Guy Windsor, also known as The Sword Guy, and I'm here today with Arian Scott of the Mid-Atlantic Society of Historical Swordsmanship, who, and he's quite well known for his Italian rapier instruction and his participation in rapier tournaments and the like. I first met Arian at Lord Baltimore's Challenge last year, and we never really got to have a proper conversation then, so I thought this would be an excellent opportunity to make up for that lack. So, Arian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Guy. I appreciate you having me, man. Thank you so much. So, Arian, uh, what made you want to start Historical Martial Arts, and how, how did you actually get into it? Well, that's, that's hilarious. Um, I got into Historical Martial Arts um, based on my involvement with a group called the Sabre Legion. Uh, here in the U.S., they're a lightsaber um, combat group, primarily Star Wars fans and, and fanatics. You are um, kidding. I got involved with them. No, not at all. I got involved with them maybe two years um, after they their inception. And then um, uh, I went to a couple of uh, practices. I became the second charter uh, president here. Nice. And, um, so I, and, uh, I, just, I just have to do this. My man, yes, yes. <laughs> See, it's these kind of things that really bring us together. That's but, right. Um, yeah, so uh, they're a full con um, full contact combat group, mm -hmm. um, tens of thousands of members worldwide. Wow. Primarily based, yeah, in the U.S., they're, they're serious. They've been on news outlets, local and national. Um, they've had their, their time to shine. I guess the closest analog would be Ludo Sport yep. um, over there in France. Um, but I need I to write a lightsaber book. Did you? I know I need to write a lightsaber book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing stopping you, except maybe Disney, you know, as long as you call it something else, you're safe. No, but I mean, it's, there's a, what people don't understand about that, um, especially in HEMA, I've found, um, they either don't really want to embrace that side of their nerdiness. Right. Or, you know, they decry, decry because it's not real, quote, end quote. Well, one could argue that what we do when we go to tournaments or sparring isn't real. So let's get rid of that. Mm -hmm. um, I was involved with them. I've been to a couple of tournaments. I had done some fan fiction writing for years. I'm a Star Wars nerd at heart. Uh, I'm such a nerd that the, the last three movies I loved. I loved them. I, you know, they were my man. Thank yeah, you. Okay. The last one disappointed me. I, there were some characters that should have more screen time. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was a return to proper Star Warsiness. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if you love it, you're going to love it. You know, yeah. you'll have your favorites, obviously. But, you know, I think what happened with that was people forgot that they already had a childhood. So you yeah. can't let anybody else ruin it. But I, I digress. <laughs> um, I was doing that and mm -hmm. I was doing rather I, I did OK um, for my standards, having no martial arts background whatsoever. Um, just just coming from a purely mm -hmm. fan fantasy and media driven, you know, love for swordsmanship. Um, and I said, you know what, I got to get some sort of training. You know, I didn't do as well as I felt I should have done um, based on my initial visibility in that club. So I said, um, let me do some searching because there's got to be something that I can, I can learn. Now, we rewind back mm -hmm. to, let's say, 2004, 2005. You know, I do, you know, independent searches. There's a guy that wants to teach foil. He'll, he'll mm -hmm. you know, he'll give lessons. But... I never got over that hump to, you know, to, to get out of my skin, admit that I didn't know anything and, and then go and, and get some instruction. So I let that opportunity pass. And then mm -hmm. you fast forward, I go, I go in these tournaments and I said, I got to find somebody that will teach me how to use this. And, and this is like a rapier from my limit, very limited understanding at the time. So I said, let me find somebody that actually teaches rapier. So and I, so I found. So you thought mm -hmm. the, the rapier would help with a lightsaber. Absolutely right. So you are the first Absolutely person right. I have ever met who took up rapier to improve their lightsaber fencing. Yeah, absolutely. I have never, and, and, that's, that's unique. And, and they want me to come back, so, so, and I want to go back, but it's, it's weird. Like, I got involved in, in, in HMA, and mm -hmm. I just loved it because, again, it, it speaks to that media fantasy-driven part of me that brought me to it in the first place. It started with Star Wars um, when the prequels came out. You know, we saw... Yeah. You know, Anakin and, and Obi-Wan just doing all the flourishes yeah. and that, you know, we saw, you know, Darth Maul and, and, and those guys in, in the, in the, I guess that's uh, the second one and, or the first one, Phantom Menace. And, and uh, you know, I, I just wanted to stay in that. But then 
I started doing rapier. Um, now, what they use at the Saber Legion are polycarbonate tubes that don't have any flex. Right. Obviously, when we do rapier, you, you need that flex because we don't want to break our toys. Right. You know, the ones that are across from us in the ring. We don't we want don't want to break them. So, I had to find a more percussive way to do it, and that's how I got into saber. Right. You know, I might delve into to side sword when it comes to that also. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of people that do long sword do very well um, at TSL. A lot of people that do side sword, people that do kendo, they do extremely well. Um, and that lends to the the um, the makeup of the analog. I mean, you have one right there with you. You know, yep. you can't really worry about edge alignment, but you can worry about your body mechanics and how to move in the ring and move mm -hmm. around a weapon. And, you know, it's been... I haven't been to... Um, a TSL event in a long, long time because I don't feel I'm where I need to be to really uh, demonstrate what I've learned, if that makes sense. Because yeah, sure. if I, because I'm in HMA now and I'm starting that path, and I'm, it's just so addictive. Like, okay, I have, I, I learned this lesson, or this text is awesome, or, or you know, I, I did this well at this tournament. Now I got to defend that medal at the next tournament. So right. let me keep training for that. You know, and they have their their national tournaments. Um, my last opportunity to do something with them would have been at Combat Con last year right. in a Las Vegas here. Um, but they were also running a HMA tournament. So my loyalties right. would have been split. Yeah, sure. You know, my, my, my attention would have been split. And I know I wouldn't have done as well as I wanted to do at either. So I kind mm -hmm. of backed out of both. Um, but yeah, that, that's, you know, long story short, sorry. Uh, no, that's, that's, that's how I got my, <laughs> that's how I got my start in HMA, man. Yeah, just loving Star Wars. And uh, I, I, loving, you know. It's clear, it's clear you love rapier because, okay, um, listeners, you can't see this, but tattooed long Aryan's right forearm, there is a rapier. <laughs> <laughs> Very clear. <laughs> and there's a saber on the left. Oh my goodness. So, well, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of my um, accountability piece guy. Okay. Like, you know, if I can't walk around with this on me if I don't know how to use them. All right. So, you know, if I'm walking around at an event with my club T-shirt on, like, what are you studying? I just do that. <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> it, clear. Do you? I, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I'm, I'm okay. I, I, but I'm getting better, you know, and that's, yeah. I think that's, um, you and, know, the, the biggest thing for me. And I'm sure we can find plenty of skin surface for a longsword there, too. <laughs> well, see that that it's funny that you say that. The the closest I can come to that percussive of a weapon is going to be um, sword and buckler. So we're starting um, uh, one three three. Okay. I'm actually taking some uh, a couple of online lessons with uh, David Rawlings, uh, your right. countryman over there. Um, but we're starting at my club. Um, once we come out of the quarantines and mm -hmm. can safely uh, operate again, we're going to be starting a unit on that. Um, so my clubs will then my club will then expand to the study of six weapons over two centuries, okay. which is one three three um, rapier, mm -hmm. um, which I t help to instruct uh, Italian dueling saber, Italian dueling um, sword, mm -hmm. and um, long sword as well. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, so it's, what, it's, it's what, a good time. What kind of rapier are you doing? Is it specific to a particular treatise or? Well, yes. Um, at the club, uh, we st uh, study strictly uh, Fabris, um, okay. right out of that, um, the translation that Tom Leone provided some years ago that yep. uh, keeps coming up. Yep. Um, we just got the Vienna um, Anonymous also, yep. um, but that's not required reading. But we just strictly do that, um, Fabris, as far as the text study is concerned. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I love my club, because you know, for the two hours that we're there a week, we're studying this treatise. But our, you know, Larry Tom, who's, who founded the school back mm -hmm. in 2000, he doesn't say, and, you know, just learn this because this is the best. He has no illusions in that. He's been practicing martial arts and has forgotten more about any weapon that you can think of than I could mm -hmm. ever learn, you know, sure. with dedicated study. Um, so he says, you know, you know, stay, you know, as long as you stay in the books, if you're doing HMA, you got to stay in the books. And, and I, right. I firmly believe that. So well, that's I where mean, the H comes uh, from, right? Say yeah. again. That's where the H comes from. That's what makes it historical oh, martial arts. Yeah, absolutely. It should, you know, and, and, and again, if you look at it as maybe not the end all be all, but a supplement to your training, mm -hmm. you know, you could you're free to learn from every other book. Um, but I feel that you absolutely have to have an experienced person who's not only experienced with the material, but with ex experience with reading these these specific materials right. to know how to interpret them and how to um, 
show you how to look at it so you're not necessarily aping somebody else's interpretation because that's what it is it's sure. to me interpretation is your personal language your personal yeah. expression of the information you take in so at the class you know we'll fence fibrous all day you know we'll teach it we'll go plate by plate we'll, we'll go that way but then when it's time for free sparring okay i saw this in you know tybalt i want to try out or you okay. know i uh, the Alfieri guard. I want to want to try that out. You know, he's. Sure. You know, we're very open when it comes to that, and I think that his approach uh, to treating the study when you're there to study it mm -hmm. um, bleeds over into anything else you want to uh, study when it comes to these weapons. If you want to do it conscientiously, you know, I, there's people that will never ever crack a book, mm -hmm. um, and that's fine for them. Honestly, um, I think a lot of my readership, the people who buy my books, because I tend to be writing interpretive. Um, books right. mostly. Um, right. I write these books so they don't have to go reading old, tech, old treatises, right? Because some people right. just don't want to do that. Um, other right. people use use the books as a sort of a gateway into the treatises, which is what I would hope they would use them for. Um, well, right. Exactly but for a lot right. of people, it's just gonna it is gonna be they want to show up and they want to fight with swords and they want some indication that they're doing it in in a kind of useful and authentic way. But they don't mm -hmm. want to be doing all that academic stuff. They want to be swinging swords around. And that is perfectly legitimate. As long as right, there are, exactly as as there are right. people around who have done the reading, then, then the stuff mm -hmm. they're doing is likely to be okay. Right. And I think that's the, the, one of the beautiful things about what we study with HMA is that, that it has room for all those approaches. If yep. you just want to be sportive and if you, if you train classical foil or epee or saber and you know you want to pick up a different analog and do that same thing, well, people will still face you and they'll, they'll sure. train with you, obviously. If you want to stay in the books and never ever show up at a tournament, hey, we need you too. I have your book. You know, I have your book on Italian rapier. I, I, I picked up Francesco Roda's book mm -hmm. and it's clear that both of you have a, a, a strong grasp of the material that you use to write the book. And I think a conscientious mind, a serious student of the art, will look at that and say, you know what? I want to read what they read. Yes, absolutely. And find, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I want to read what they read. But mm -hmm. at the same time, the material that you present, you know, wisely and smartly appeals to a broad enough base to where they can take your book and get fulfillment out of it, whether it's learning movements that they weren't sure that they could pull off or understanding mm -hmm. terminology, understanding relationships between themselves and space and around a weapon. So in and of themselves, the interpretive texts are great. For example, um, I'm doing my lesson with Mr. Rawlings on one through three, and mm -hmm. he said, pick up the Royal Armory's translation. Yeah. Pick that up. Yeah, yeah. So I did. I have the hard copy. We go from that. Jeff, Jeffrey Fulgame's translation. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. I have, I have that. So, but at the same time, not everybody, A, has access to that or has the resources to speak with somebody that's gone over that mm -hmm. specific manuscript, knows the context behind it, because that's super important to me also, knowing the context behind it, yep. um, to be able to, to properly inform people what those words are saying. Yep. But in class, we're going to use Stephen Hen's uh, book. You know, okay. on one three three, which is you know an interpretation of the translation, from what I understand. Oh, so, that's that's um, Stephen Hand and Paul Wagner's Sword and Shield. Exactly right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to use that for 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 class purposes. Okay. But again, um, what I try to tell everybody at our class and mm -hmm. anybody that comes up for it, you know, don't take your class as the end all be all because it's different from other mm. organization organizational pursuits. You know, there's there's very little oversight as, as to what we do organizationally. Um, interpretations come as they come. There's no living master mm. to where we can say, "Hey, is this what you meant?" So, yeah. it's incumbent upon us as practitioners to take what we do in a group and supplement it with our own personal walks. I think about this stuff all the time, but Clearly. by no means am I am am I a scholar. You know what I mean? I, I I'm I'm very clear to make that distinction. Um, I'm, I, I like to think I'm more than intelligent when it comes to this sort of thing, but that's because I perseverate over it. I think about it day and night. I watch these movies and I watch them over and over. Like, of course, you can probably guess what my favorite duel is, Princess Bride. Of course. You know, so, you know, I, I, who, you know, there are very few people that are familiar or don't like it, and that's fine by them. But for me, I'll watch that scene over and over. You know, I'll, I'll watch the 1980 Excalibur over and over and over. I'll watch... Bob Anderson's choreography from, you know, the original Star Wars is, 
and compare it to what they did with the prequels and 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 mm-hmm. the things that they did with you know um, Kylo Ren. Talk what you want, but those look like some ser- some some legit longsword guards that he was using with. You know what I mean? Well, so think think of the Yoda <laughs> versus Count Dooku fight in one of the prequels. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine called Stefan Dijk, who's a German longsword instructor, he got all excited when that movie came out because there's stuff in there that looks like Zverkhaus. <laughs> <laughs> like, Yoda's doing Zverkhaus. Right, and, and, yeah. and that's what I'm talking about. Like, like those of us that, that really take it to heart and embrace mm-hmm. it for what it is, don't try to make it any more or any less than what it is, can then enrich other aspects of, of our viewing specific specific to this. You know, when sure. you know, I watched uh, you know, Excalibur and you know, I, I was in love with that that version, the one that was shot over there in England, the one that mm-hmm. came out in the eighties where, yeah. you know, um uh what's his name? Pat uh, Patrick Stewart was Leon de Grants and Yeah, know, and they I'm, and I'm they shot the at... whole thing in actual armor. They were in yeah, armor exactly. all day. Yeah. Right. And then you got people that'll say, well, that armor's not accurate. No, of course it's not. And then, t- t- of course it's not, but, because... But King Arthur it, was, but... A, was a 6th century king. Yeah, he'd have been rolling right. around in, in, like, you know, a, a male hauberk, and, you know, that's about right. it. And, and, a, and one of, like, a pre-Norman cap thing. Right, right. right. He's not but got full you, play but armor. For, yeah, but if you look at it for what it is, it's a great story. Yeah. Um, it's a fantastic legend. And the set pieces were amazing. All the fights when, mm-hmm. when Arthur was trying to get the warlords together, all their armor was black and dingy. Yep. And then Camelot comes around, everything is shiny and bright. Yep. Then you have the corruption of, of, of uh, Guinevere and, and mm-hmm. Percival. And then, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Lancelot. And then there starts to be a patina over everything. Like, it was, yeah. it was, it's, it's all fantastic. And I think that people sort of let the world dull their love for this stuff, you know, and then... You know, and that's when we come yeah. to the varying personalities that proliferate our our pursuit. But if, if you look at any pursuit, I think. Yeah, if you look at the actual fights in that film, they are not good representations of what we now know medieval combat was really like. Right. 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 But but mm-hmm. that's not what the movie is for. It's not supposed to be a treatise on historical fencing. It's supposed to be <laughs> right, exactly. It's supposed it's supposed to be a work of art which tells a particular story in a particular way. Right. And I would agree with you. It's an absolutely fantastic film. But it is quite easy to let our, when you have specialist knowledge in any area, to let mm-hmm. that kind of ruin things. Like I was watching a film yeah. with a friend of mine who's a computer programmer, and it all revolved around this particular like special computer chip that was some magical mm-hmm. chip that did amazing things and people were killing each other to get it. And, it, you know, it, it, right. it was, um, ah, that's a, there's a special word for it, um, for the thing that everyone is chasing in a movie. Uh, MacGuffin? MacGuffin, that's it, thank you. Um, yeah. And, and you know, this guy sitting next to me, and he goes, but that's just a, and rattles off the specific technological specification of that <laughs> chip. And it's just like mm-hmm. some like memory chip from like five years ago. Right. <laughs> right? Right. And, you know, <laughs> How many people are going to know that? Right, <laughs> and except who, for them. And, and then, I didn't care. I was enjoying the film. And then he's going, but it's just look, a... Look, look, you, why you does so anybody care? care? <laughs> you so didn't care that you don't even remember the name of the thing right, that I told exactly, you. Right, like, exactly. It was in and out. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. And, and on the other hand, when it's done right, I, 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 I hearken... Oh, we go back to the, the Star Wars thing. Empire Strikes Back. Uh, the evacuation of Cloud City. Yep. The extra in the background is running around with an ice cream maker machine because that was his prop. Yep. Now, it could be something to where somebody's watching with you. That's just yep. an ice cream maker. You know, of course, mm-hmm. they're also in space. What do you want? Now it's something that's beloved. Like people are right. cosplaying as this guy. Yeah. There's, you know, 10 or 11 yeah. people at a convention dressed as this guy. So, <laughs> with ice cream you know, makers. Knowledge can, knowledge can be a wonderful thing. Yeah. And I think it's all, you know, but, all what we do with it and what we choose to, to enrich ourselves with that, that makes it good or bad, I think. Yeah, it's like, you know, in Return of the Jedi, um, they have these, these kind of computer things on their arms so they can communicate, yeah. right? I went to uh, the Star Wars exhibition that was touring around Europe maybe 10 years ago. And I got a okay. good close-up of Leia's costume. I think it was Leia's costume. And she had this thing on her arm. And one of the things that was actually attached to the thing, it was half 
of a three meter Stanley tape measure case. <laughs> right? And you know, I, I, I'm a woodworker, right? I can spot a Stanley tape measure and that was, they'd taken half of a Stanley tape measure case and stuck it on her arm. <laughs> Just slapped it on there, right? And painted it. It was like, this is genius. Right, exactly. So, but, and, but we forgive them, you know what I mean? And, right. and I think that, um, especially now, I, I, I like to think of myself as a unique or representative of a unique uh, niche in this already niche pursuit. Okay. I'm an older guy who loves his nerd stuff and loves the things that he loves. Yeah. And I'm coming into HEMA with a that, that, that the discipline and I hope the maturity that age and experience brings. But also I'm coming where this is, I, I, I sense a huge transition mm-hmm. uh, coming about because got folks like yourself and like I mentioned, David, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Pierre Marco um, over there with you, uh, Fran, um, you know, on my side, Norwood, um, you know, folks like that. Um, they're generational, you know, as far as what they brought to this um, pursuit. I feel like I'm on the cusp of being either third or fourth generation yeah. to where, you know, I'm starting to get interviewed by people that came before me, you know, mm-hmm. and I was just talking to my partner and she says, you know, I was extremely nervous before coming on here, and she says, "Well, you talked this up. You, this is where you wanted your fencing to go when you showed up at class. When I first showed up to my first class, guy, mm-hmm. I had leather work gloves, yep, and a thick sweatshirt. That was my kit. <laughs> I had okay. my helmet. I, I had my 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 mask from TSL. Yeah, you know, I had my mask from TSL, but that was it. You know, it was it was literally stripping myself down." Like sort of like an initiate initiative thing, like mm-hmm. like the universe said, if you want to do this, you're going to have to be humble first and foremost, and that humbling is going to be uh, consist of in part publicly admitting what you're lacking. It's not just the, the you know the knowledge. It's it's who do I talk to? Like what do I bring? Where do I mm-hmm. go to buy this stuff? Who do I read? You know, I had to really come to grips with everything that I didn't know. Yeah. A younger me, 20 years ago, would have never been able to do that. Sure. Hence me not going to the foil coach. Right, right? yeah, sure. Um, so it was something that, okay, I love Star Wars. I love this lightsaber thing that I'm doing, but I need to get better. No one around here knows, you know, and this is just made up stuff, but this looks like a sword. People know how to fight with swords. I got to find that person that knows how to fight with swords and see if they'll teach me. Right. One internet search later, four years later, and I'm talking to you. This is crazy <laughs> to me. You, 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 it's, it's nuts, man. It, it really is because, you know, it's it's one thing to uh, see you guys online and, and read your offerings and kind of take you, um, not bring you past the fourth wall, as it were, you know, kind of treat you as a, as a commodity. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you shake your hand, when you meet, when you look you, you know, in your eye, you see you have the same concerns, you have the same love for fencing, you have the same ancillary things outside of fencing that attract you. It, it's, um, it's a very humbling and, and resetting experience. Like this is, this is, like I said, this is crazy. You'll hear me say that a lot. <laughs> this is crazy to me. I'm, I'm being <laughs> said the same thing that's right. That's right. My partner just shouted to me. You said the same thing when you won your first gold. There you go. But yeah, but yeah. Um, you know, I think I think having the mindset is what keeps me um, excited in this. Um, sure. Kudos to you and all the content providers, um, all the people that do the serious, scholarly work um, that shows your love for it. Because if I am to have sort of any connection with you, for me, the minute something feels like work. I stop enjoying doing it. Sure. Now that's not to say that you, I'm not aware of the work that has to go into enjoying a thing, mm-hmm. but this is your livelihood. You know, folks that are teaching, you know, six, seven days a week who are putting out these books, you know, whether you would do it for the love or not, you know, it's, that's questionable. But the fact that you can make something off of it shows that a, you, you have a, a respected, valuable voice, your insights are valid and people hunger for this kind of stuff. And to be, again, to be noticed, you know, notice me senpai, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I don't care who you are. If you're in this world, you want to get noticed by the people that, that came before you. So thank you, sir. Oh, I really appreciate this you're opportunity. More than welcome. And, you know, because you you started relatively recently, I thought I would ask you if you have any words of advice for beginners who are just starting out. 
Because, you know, people like me, I've been doing this for, well, my first historical fencing club was founded in 1994. So, <laughs> <laughs> so and it's been my, my job gosh. since 2000. Right. So it's been a really long time since I could realistically call myself a beginner. And yeah. I, I try and sort of, you know, stay in touch with what it's like to be a beginner by you know, taking up new things and screwing things up a lot and right. what have you. But you've been a beginner more recently. So what would you mm. say to someone who was thinking of taking up historical martial arts as a, as a pursuit? Um, what I would say to them, honestly, is um, you kind of led into it, Guy, is have that um, inquisitive nature and know, remind yourself that there was a day when you walked into the club with little more than work gloves and a sweatshirt and people brought you onto that. So honor that. Um, I would say to figure out what your end game is early mm -hmm. um, and have that goal be mutable. Um, okay. If you want to be a scholar, then be a scholar, you know, you know, set your sights towards that end mm -hmm. to where, okay, I'm going to put forth the schooling and learn the languages and, you know, talk to the people that have done this before. Um, if you want to compete, my advice is going to be the same advice that I received um, from Richard Marsden a couple years ago when I first met him. Mm -hmm. um, fight as many people as you can um, from different areas, from different places. Fight as many as you can. Um, because, quite frankly, when I'm at the club, I tend to fence tendencies, right? Because I see them all the time. How do you mean? Um, I... I know if, you know, somebody brings their front shoulder forward that they're probably going to come in for the lunge, so I need to back up, allow them to make the lunge and do the parry move. Um, so get out of the habit of being comfortable. Get out of the habit of uh, being comfortable fighting tendencies. Go fight strangers. Fight as many as you can. And to take every interaction as a lesson, every single one, you have to be selfish in this pursuit. Um, and that's not to say be cutthroat. Um, by no means, but you must be selfish in that everything that you go through, every interaction that you have, even if it's with a vendor, um, that's an opportunity for you to learn. Um, you don't get better at this if you don't stay an active learner. So be that. Um, you know, if somebody kicks your tail at a tournament 10 to 1, then, hey, how did you get me those nine times? You know, I, I, I know what I did right for the one point was great, but the other nine times, how did you get me? Pro, you know, not saying prostrate yourself in front of these people, but make sure that you're a good learner, a, a really good um, student, and that's of life, not just of the books or of a physical technique. Okay, that's um, sound advice. Okay, <laughs> so if, you, if you're doing if, you, if you're doing all this fighting now, okay, everyone I interview has pretty strong opinions on this subject, and I, I want you to. Express yourself freely and remember that if you do go off on a great long rant and start swearing like a sailor, we can edit anything out you don't like. Okay? okay. So, <clears throat> mm -hmm. fencing equipment. Uh, mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on the current state of fencing equipment? Um, what, what should be better? What is already good? What needs to be fixed? What are the risks, etc.? Okay, um, fencing equipment, I am staunchly on the side of uh, the more, not necessarily the more the better, but the best the better. Um, I have faith that there's a lot of people in this field, um, especially as young as we are, um, that have done this sort of research that are experts in their field of, of clothing and protection and, and kinesthesiology and sports medicine, you know, sort of have faith in that and, 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 protect yourself you know very few of us get paid to do this mm -hmm. this is not a matter of life and death and you want to be able to come back tomorrow and do it so get the high rated mask know what your weapons are and do the research you know be open to suggestion um swap out different pieces of kit um you Just, know I've, I've gone myself i've gone through no less than three jackets in okay. four years wow and I know people that keep their jackets. I, I first got one from an um, SCA outfitter mm -hmm. um, that was largely denim. Um, but I found that I wash my gear all the time. Mm -hmm. So that material shrank. So, you know, going from there, I ordered a Gallardoni, um, mm -hmm. you know, when they were still doing it. And very beautiful. But <clears> I found that the finish uh, would nat up, you know, when I wash it. Again, I'm going to keep my gear clean because that's, that's just me. 
Um, I do that for me. I, I, I wish that, that was me. everyone. <laughs> me too. I, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> me too. Um, but, um, you know, and so that I started to grow out of that, you know, a from, you know, just the muscle that I packed on and the weight that I gained from being in a great relationship, you know, she cooks. So, oh my God. <laughs> um, so I had to upgrade. So, uh, my, my current jacket right now is, uh, from, uh, Jose out of, um, high heel pants. Mm -hmm. It's a fantastic jacket. Um, it looks great. And, um, you know, I, I think that's the, the, the key piece of it is, is to have the jacket because a good jacket will span you across different weapon systems. And I think mm -hmm. um, being confining yourself to a weapon system, if that's your thing, by all means, but you're really missing out on the, the depth and the breadth of what this pursuit can offer mm -hmm. and even how it can inform your other fencing. But I think if you're well protected, you're not worried about your fencing, so to speak, because, okay, you'll see especially in tournaments if somebody's got a light spot on their jacket or they're not protected they'll favor that area for somebody like me that's a tell okay i'm going to go for that all day and get you to move how i want to mm -hmm. um and 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 just for me psychologically if i know that my gear's subpar i'm going to be worried about that and again it's going to inform my performance so you know luckily mm -hmm. i have a partner again who who I like to say is my um, my patron and my squire because she sees me in gear and she says, oh, no, that's not going to work. We got to get you the better one. Right. And is it ostentations? Yes. But isn't what we do already ostentatious? Yeah, I'm going to say, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this is not something that everybody can or chooses to do. So are you um, are you actually confident that, like, for example, a fencing mask will keep you safe when fencing rapier? Yes. Really? Because, um, yeah, um, only because I try to have an understanding of my opponent and it's all very, you know, context is everything. You have to read the room. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, accidents happen, but we are in an assumed risk pursuit guy. I mean, sure. you know, when we go to class or put on the gear, pick up a weapon, you're assuming a certain amount of risk, right? Yep. So um, I know that I'm assuming less risk if I have a mask on versus if I don't. So I'll rather have the mask, you know, and, and, and operate secure in the knowledge that accidents happen as opposed to I'm willfully putting myself in a place where I can lose an eye. Are you kidding me? Yeah, eye patches are fetching, but, you know, I work for state government. You know, that's, right. that's going to bring up a whole bunch of questions I don't feel like bringing up. You know? <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but also, also, you're allowed to wear an eye patch without losing an eye first. So you can have that. You can have that fetching yeah. pirate look without, you know, maiming yourself. Okay. Right. Right. Rather, rather need it and not have uh, have it and not need it. Right. Um, okay. But yeah. So you know, uh, I, I'm firmly on the side of gear. I would like. I mean, I'm not even going to touch the the holy grail question of the glove situation. Uh, <laughs> it is what it is. It, so what is what do you use for fencing rapier? Glove-wise. I, I use um, the Spez um, padded gloves. Uh, they're the gray models with the uh, cuff that has the um, the uh, the Velcro fastening to go right. over jackets or armbands if you need them. Sure. I find they work fine. I typically use swept tilt weapons. Um, I yeah. do have um, a ringed one, which was my first one I got from Darkwood. Mm -hmm. um, I had a bespoke one made in swept tilt. I had another bespoke one made in a cup hilt. Um, Are these all from Darkwood? But I find... Uh, no. Well, the blades are from Castile. Um, right. The hardware themselves I got from a gentleman who's a blacksmith and does SCA stuff. Um, his okay. name is James Van Zandt. Mm -hmm. And um, I liked his pieces. And, you know, working with him has been fantastic because I have larger hands. Right. So um, he actually was the first one to, to suggest to me that maybe my problem wasn't necessarily with the whole weapon, but with the size of the grip. You know, right. um, so he's he's milled uh, larger grips for my hands. And, you know, I don't know if it's a, a placebo effect or anything like that, but it's it makes my, you know, blade work a little livelier, which, again, if I'm not fighting myself in my equipment or fighting my my weapon, then I can put all my attention to, you know, expressing these techniques that I've learned in fighting the guy or or, or person in front of me. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, so. Yeah, um, I won't touch the thing about gloves. Um, everybody, uh, please, please wear a gorget. Um, the the thing is, 
I, I would advise everyone when it comes to gear is to avoid becoming a cautionary tale. Yeah. Cautionary tales are the ones that people remember not for the best reasons. Yeah. Um, I'd rather be remembered for a fantastic Posada Soto that I threw in a tournament for a gold medal match as opposed to the guy that can't talk anymore because he took a blade that had a, a, a 60 degree bend in, you know, in the, in the trachea, you know? Yeah. So wear, wear your gorgets or your gorgets or however you pronounce them, however you choose to wear your masks um, and talk to the people in front of you. Again, calibration, I think um, has a lot to do with how this gear is developed. Um, and that's just from having conversations with people both in HMA and, and um, the SCA. Um, they calibrate a little, um, you know, they, they touch a little lighter, which mm-hmm. means that their technique has to be more informed, I would think. Um, I, I saw this. at the same time. So I, I, saw, I, saw, I saw this at the Lord Baltimore's Challenge when, I was, when there was lots of historical martial arts guys and lots of SCA guys and girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, and I was judging the, the rounds, judging the matches. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you know, there's a kind of a habit amongst the SCA that they would, they would often touch much more lightly than we would accept in historical martial arts. Right. Um, and, but then if you tell them, actually, you need to touch harder than that for me to count it, because you know, not, not having seen many SCA people before, I was... Mm. Uh, of the opinion, well, I was, I was basically seeing what they did and assuming that that was, that they were doing that because that's all they could reach. When actually, right. and when I said something along the lines of, no, you need to hit a bit harder than that, they then go too hard to make sure the dumb right. judge actually sees it. Right. 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 Now, now you can, now I think um, a lot of that also has to do with the culture in which um, you're, you're judged. Um, sure. like, like just as you said, you know, with yeah. the SCA folks, you know, uh, possibly because of their gear and then again, because of the amount of touches and the touches that they want to see, mm-hmm. um, HMA is going to be a little harder, but I was taught to make sure that the judge can see the blade bend yeah. because that, now you can do that without flinging it out. And that's sure. in every treatise. Flinging is bad. And I, and I demonstrate that against a metal pole for people when I can, you know, flinging mm-hmm. that's you're, you're just, you're, you're increasing your chances of hurting somebody. But again, if your technique is structurally sound, there doesn't take much to, to make our analogs bend. That's why they were designed. Mm-hmm. We went to them specifically to say, Hey, we're not going to hit these people pretty hard, but we still need to be able to indicate a quality thrust. How do we do that? The blacksmiths who get paid to do that said, okay, this is what you do based on what we know of metallurgy and, and, and things of that nature. And, you know, and, and we, we synergize that knowledge to have something to where we have a, a historical accurate analog of what they used. Now, where's the question lie? Is it in our equipment or is it in the people that are using it? Mm-hmm. Right? So if somebody's just used to flinging, yeah, it's going to seem like they're hitting hard. But if you know they've been taught well, if you know their teacher or you've been to their school or you've fenced them before, you can kind of anticipate what's going to happen. You can say, hey, let's do this at 75% or tournament, you know, just know that I know that judge needs to see my blade, especially when you get up close. So I'm going to make it bend, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to hurt you. You know, that's what I think we need to begin intimating and, and expressively stating to our partners, especially in tournament play. Um, and I think the calibration question will, will, will slowly begin phased out as our training and our, and our techniques improve, I think. Okay. Yeah, it is a, it's also a cultural question. Some, some well, like SCA is, has, has a culture of lighter hits in rapier and historical mm-hmm. martial arts mm-hmm. tends to have a culture of, should we say, firmer hits in rapier. But actually, with the right. when, you, when you compare our longsword to their um, heavy combat with the rattan sticks, mm-hmm. they are hitting way harder than we do. So again, it's yeah. it's context and cultural dependence. So yeah, well, hopefully we can we can you know, get through this without injuries. <laughs> that would be good. Oh, there's a question I forgot to ask you at the beginning, so I'll just drop this in okay. here, um, just to sort of locate the listeners. Whereabouts in the world are you? Whereabouts in the world? Yeah, I'm in a nap. I'm in a. I live in um, Bel Air, Maryland, which is about 40 minutes outside of Baltimore, Maryland. Mm-hmm. My club is in Annapolis, Maryland, which is the capital of uh, 
that state, and um, I travel about an hour each way uh, God. to go to to go to class. So, you know, you, you got to go where the knowledge is, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yes, it's, it's said that in um, you know in in America, a hundred years is a long time, but a hundred miles is quite close, and in in Britain, a mm. hundred years mm -hmm. is recent past, and a uh, hundred miles is a long way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I, what I, I found mm. with um, uh, speaking of cultural differences, I think that's where mm. we let off. Um, oh goodness, what happened there? Okay. Oh wait, I lost you. No. I'm here. No, yeah, I'm trying to find the the screen. I lost the thing. Oh, the thank you. All right. Um, is uh, you guys? Um, well, what I've seen is a lot of my countrymen measure distance by time. Sure. And then you you know you just said you know we were about a hundred miles away. To me, that's okay. Depending on how I'm driving, that's between. 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> I just got to look, <laughs> you know, so, you know, we, we, we measure it based on time. You know, yeah, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad though. She, yeah. She's looking at me. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, I have a couple of standard questions that I'm asking everyone uh, because they, they okay. tend to generate interesting uh, results. So first one is, what is the best idea you've never acted on? Uh, to increase my cardio. <laughs> <laughs> That's simple. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I just have. I used to run track when I was young. I mm -hmm. was good at it, but then again, like I said, it started to feel like work. Yeah. So that's where that, the aversion to it came, and I know that having cardio will. Uh, uh, allow me to, to, I guess, seem less winded in, in, in tournaments, but you know, yeah. I'm, I'm old. I was a smoker for a long time. Okay. You know, I, I, I've, you know, come in a, a fairly active lifestyle, but mm -hmm. more sedentary than not, you know, again, we're not farming 16 hours a day and then using the remainder of, of daylight to train, you know, it's yeah. just a different culture altogether, different world altogether. Um, but I told myself, you know what, get, get, get running every morning and get cardio and it'll, it'll bear fruit. You know, you got to do, you know, a lot of boxers say there's no substitute for the road work. You got to put in the miles. Yeah. And I say, you know what, that sounds good, but uh, uh, let's work smarter, not harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite right. Cause, you know, if a sword fight goes well, you basically stand still and the other person just throws their face onto your point. I'm saying, I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, it would be, it would probably be that. And then, I, I, I wonder, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm very grateful for where I am right now as far as my life mm -hmm. and where I am in HMA. But I also wonder what would have happened if I ever gone to see that foil instructor back in the uh, early 2000s. You know, where, mm -hmm. where would I be? You know, because I, I, that, that's a real concern for me now um, when it comes to competition. Um, the shelf life on competitors and fencing, much less... HMA is very low so just because of the impact that we have. Mm -hmm. And again, I haven't been training all of my formative years right. to do the, 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 the motions that fencing requires, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very concerned about aging out and, and making sure that I, I have my best experience for the years that I have in it. Um, I have a thought you for can't, you. I have a thought for okay. you. Okay. Sport fencing has, not a great um, sort of track record for injuries like knee dislocation or knee damage and tendon damage and that sort of thing. So here's a thought mm -hmm. for you. It is quite possible that you'd have gotten into that foil stuff and you'd have gotten quite serious about your competitive fencing and you'd have wrecked mm -hmm. one of your knees and that would be that. Right, exactly right. And and so, you know, or or, or because of where that foil class happened to be, you'd have ended up in a fatal car accident on your way to class. That's true. That's very so, true. So it could be that, that you know, skipping that foil thing is the best thing you ever did. Yeah. You, you know what? You're, you're no not. No way to know. I, I got to tell you this story. Uh, last year at um, Montreal Swordmeisters, mm -hmm. 
Um, that's a, a tournament that my good friend uh, Andre Ayar and uh, his um, folks up there in um, Montreal throw. Um, mm-hmm. Yet yeah, last year was their second, their second one, and I was going to defend the gold that I won at the first. Cool. Now, um, I, I, I competed in the saber tournament, well, the single sword tournament with a saber uh, the day before, and then rapier was the next day because the way they were doing it and with the yep. space and the time that they had, they had the saber or single sword tournament both pools and finals um no but that pool then the next day would be the finals and the rapier pools would start yeah well i woke up i stayed out um you know walking around and stuff and um these things i never get good sleep anyway you know my, sure. i, yeah, I yeah. get my, my heart rate elevates when i watch other people fencing like i can go to a youtube link and if i want my Fitbit to to blow up. I just start watching fights. <laughs> sure. um, um, but I didn't get much sleep. Um, woke up, had breakfast, went right to the tournament for Ray Pier and used the pools as my warm up. Oops. Which was a huge mistake. Yep. Um, I went undefeated in pools, and then we had the elims. I lost one bout, but I qualified for the finals uh, for the for the you know the last bracket. Yeah. Well, due to not warming up poor hydration i began to experience muscle seizures right like it got to the point where we were but we're beyond cramps you know yeah. like my my feet like if you I, I i've never had it happen but from what i understand uh people that snap their achilles tendon yeah they have all the want and the you know the, the, the drive to move their foot just to walk but they literally cannot yeah that's where i was with the seizures i was experiencing mm-hmm. um my hand um, I had to get people to pry my fingers open wow. so I could un I can let go of the weapon and I ended up withdrawing from you know withdrawing from the from the tournament yeah um, that day you know I would I withdrew because I qualified for finals for for both yeah. for both rapier and for my saber but mm-hmm. I, I as much as I, I knew people there wanted to see me fence as much as I wanted to fence my body said no don't do it and I was this close to doing it but enough people were in my ear. Um, they said, J- just don't, also, just don't. It's not responsible for your health. And it's also not responsible for your opponents. If you're not in control of your body, you could stick a sword through somebody. Exactly right. And, yeah. and you know, I was more of a risk than anything to everybody yeah. around. Um, and so, you know, discretion is the better part of valor. Did I beat myself up about it? Of course, you know, it's an 11 hour drive 13. from uh, 13. <laughs> yeah, 13 hour drive <laughs> from Montreal to where we live and yeah. the whole way, you know, I'm, I should have I should have tried something. I could have did something. It's not right. It's not fair. Well, what would have happened if I had snapped a tendon or wrist injury to myself or somebody else or, you know, somebody gotten hurt? Yeah. Now, now I can't do the thing that I love to do that I wasn't getting paid to do initially anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, live to fight another day. That's a, that's another um, piece of advice I would give beginners. Yes, anything could happen. You could step out of practice, get hit by a bus. But let's operate on the side of what if that doesn't happen, right? Take care of yourself. Get more joy out of this. Have more longevity. Nice ending to that story, guy. When I got home, I found that everybody there, all the clubs that were voting, unanimously voted me the technical and uh, sportsman award. Hey, hold on. You, you know, for for having pulled out, you know, and that right. was a huge lesson for me. You know, um, I've enjoyed some relative success. Um, when you just look at how the math bears out, you know, I tell uh, you know people that are having tournament issues um, or you know issues with their performance at tournaments. I tell them this out all the time. I'm like, the math does not support you winning this. Well, yeah. what do you mean? Okay, we have this set amount of people. Everybody here is not going to reach the podium. That's why it's the podium. Three <laughs> people are going to make it. Right. And all of them really want to be there, probably yeah. more than you. If you're asking this question, they want it more than you do. So own that, right? Yeah. Take this time to enjoy what you're doing. You're seeing people you haven't seen in months, maybe years. You're getting to test yourself. You're getting to test your techniques, your 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 interpretations. Everybody here is not going to win. That the math doesn't support it. You know, statistically, more people are going to lose these things than win. Cool. That's why they're. That's why they're precious. That's why they're special to people that care about that sort of thing. Yeah. So make sure you're in a place to where you can enjoy the most over the most amount of time, as mm-hmm. opposed to putting all your eggs in a basket. You yeah. know, because you've seen it. I'm sure a thousand times. Somebody that stays in the gym forever, 
gets hit by somebody throwing the same stroke the the entire time. You yep. know, button mashing, just spamming, spamming, in, you know, four to the inside, four, yeah. four, four, spam, and, and they win. Mackenzie, uh, Mackenzie Ewing won a Capital Class Rapier tournament doing that. He had to because he was hurt. You know, he had some sort of cramp or he had torn, mm. torn a uh, tendon or something like that. Spamming four inside and one. So if you're the kind of person that puts all your eggs into that one basket, I'm sorry to tell you, either way you're going to be disappointed because after the podium's over, there's still the next day, yep. the day after that, the session after that. What, where, where's your next, you know, what's your next plateau? What's your next yep. peak? You know what I mean? I mean, sure. you know, I couldn't tell you who won sword fi Swordfish in 2017 or no. Longpoint in, in 2000, you know, even that last year. I couldn't tell you who won anything. You I, know, I, um, there's a lovely book by Johan Harmenberger called Epe 2.0 about winning Olympic gold in Epe, both the team and the individuals. In I think it was 1980 mm -hmm. Olympics. And he goes into all sorts of detail about how all that went down and, and what he was doing. And, and after it, he spent the next year basically being depressed. Mm -hmm. And apparently, what he says, that's really common. The most, so the, mm. the, the common psychological reaction to winning Olympic gold is depression. Because mm. what do you do now? Yeah, I believe it. I <laughs> yeah. believe it. I mean, I mean, Muhammad Ali, I mean, very pertinent in these times, he threw his into the river, you know, when right. he got it, you know, because, you know, he got his medal. In the moment, it's fantastic. But then he came home to face the same injustices that he had been facing before he left. Right. So he realized that it didn't, in, a, in the long scope, as, as far as the person that he wanted to be and who he was becoming, didn't mean anything. So he threw it into the river. You know, is that a slap in the face? You know, people that are in that community would say, yes, this is all we work hard for. We've we fought hard for regulation and recognition so we can go and get this, yeah. you know, recognition. Well, I mean, they postponed this year's Olympics. You know, what are they, those guys going to do? You know, there's yeah. so many things out of your purview and out of your control to ignore the things that which you can control is doing yourself a huge disservice. Sure. I can enjoy the fact that I met you at Lord Baltimore, even though I didn't win anything. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, hey, a guy, I have his book. I've, I've seen his blogs. I've seen him online. This is that dude. Baby, come over here. This is that guy. You know, I told you, my knees thank you, you know, for your course that you gave. You know, I still oh. do those warm-ups. Well, I'm very glad you know, to hear it. You know, I still do those, you know, and, and that's mm -hmm. something that I, I think, you know, going back to, uh, I keep going to the beginner's thing because that's something that's near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. Know that there's room for you, you know, yeah. where, where you want to be, you know, what, what you bring to the table can be appreciated if you present it humbly. And that's the other part of it. There's, there's a, it's, there's a phenomenon that comes when people who were denied, for an analogy's sake, use of a ball, mm -hmm. right? They come on the court, they see people with a ball. You can't play. This is our ball. Okay, so now they fester and they, I'm going to get my own ball. So they get their own ball, mm -hmm. but then they forget what it was to not have a ball. They're right. so entrenched. Hey, I got a ball now. I got a ball. Yeah. Well, I've only been taught that if I have a ball, I can say, no, you can't have a ball, you know, so and, mm -hmm. and it, it perpetuates that cycle. If you remember that every one of us was a beginner, every one of us, like I, I have this habit of if, if I do very well, particularly well, I come home from a tournament from something, I'll have a, a special bottle of wine with my, with my partner and then we'll save the cork and I'll, I'll put the metal in the, sh in the shadow box, you know. Right. For for my edification, you yeah. know, again, two years, five years, ten years from now, nobody's going to care whether or not I got second or third, but I got a story attached to it, mm -hmm. right? It's it's something that I can enjoy, something I can I can look back on, I can mm -hmm. I can I can use that as a as a as a testament that hey, I did something. I, I, there's something yeah. that I loved, but I was a beginner. What I'm going to do is the the gloves that I have, the, those work gloves, I'm going to put them in a frame as well. Okay. And they're going to say, you got medals up here. Um, I don't know if you can see it back there, but that yep. photograph is actually a uh, painting mm -hmm. that um, a friend of ours did for me for Christmas. It's a painting of a photograph. Right. So I have that up there, and below it, I'm going to have that glove in a, yep. in a shadow box framed. Excellent. So why do you have that stupid work glove up there? Are you moving somebody? No, that's 
my reminder, I started humbly. I started from a humble beginning. I didn't come in well-armed or even well-equipped or even yeah. mental space-wise, you know, mental space-wise. And, and um, I think it's important that people remember that, that where they came from, just like you do. Mm-hmm. You have to conscientiously ask yourself that question. Why did I get into this? What would I tell somebody that I see is, is vacillating over something or, or unsure of this pursuit or, you know, what do I tell somebody that I see going, you know, going into the realm of a cautionary tale? Hey, you better put on your mask or, hey, you may not want to talk to them that way because on your way up, you're going to see them on your way down too. Yep. You know, you're, you, you don't want to be the cautionary tale. You don't want to be the person that, hey, I don't want to fence them. Why? They hit way too hard. Or I don't want to practice with them. Why? They're way too demeaning. Know who you are. Know what you want out of it. And go forth confident. You will find your tribe. There, there's enough in this in this pursuit for room for everybody. If you just want to fight, great. If you want to read, great. If you just want to practice, great. If you just want to talk about it. If you want to draw up mock-ups for clothes. If you want to teach people how to really bend their knee. If you want to, you know, you're a sports kinesthesiologist and you're, you know, you're, people are injuring their shoulder by the way they're, they're pulling out. You know, you can say, hey, I'm a doctor. I kind of studied this. This is what works for this sport. Maybe it'll work for that. You know, there's room for it. But yeah you got to carve it out. You got to be just as you have, you know, just as um, I'm trying to do, you have to carve out your space in, in, especially in this pursuit. Okay. So don't be afraid to do so. All right. Uh, One last question. Um, Mm. Somebody gives you a million dollars to spend improving historical martial arts worldwide. How would you spend that money? (sighs) That is a great question, man. Honestly, it would probably be towards um, uh, production and distribution of, 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 our, of our materials, of our, not necessarily the books and things because you guys got a good handle on that, but probably um, like the analogs we use, the sword makers and the equipment makers. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that with, um, a, uh, I guess, grants given to these people, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the process that we have when it comes just to the materials can be greatly, greatly improved. Um, also, like, look, and look at the glove situation, the pro gauntlets. You know, it's legendary yeah. right now. But, you know, what could those guys have done had they had a million dollars that somebody right. granted them? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying here's a million dollars, go do this, because we've seen vendors come and go, right? Yeah. Let's have some accountability piece with it. Okay, look, I got a million dollars, make a fantastic glove different sizes this is what it needs to do this is what it needs to to protect Mm -hmm. now i need to see i'm going to check back with you in six months i need to see that you've consulted with kinesthesiologists i need to see that you've consulted with uh materials makers are you outsourcing your work to um places that have that need you know like is it a small business enterprise you know or are you going with a big business if we have that sort of oversight Mm-hmm. I think a lot of these processes can be improved and centralized. Mm-hmm. I think what makes our pursuit specifically fantastic is accessibility. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, I can go online and get your book. That's fantastic. I can, I can order the, um, the Fungang um, translation. I can order Tom Leone's translation of Fabris and have it come to me. You know, back in, again, in the thousands, I keep going back to my foil experience I had to go. I would have had to go to a studio, you know, pay exorbitant amounts yep. of money for these lessons, and not knowing if this guy was worth his salt or anything. And then you got to, you know, there's very little return. Things are very different now to what they were 20 years ago. Very, very different. Right. In terms, in terms of the resources and equipment that's available. Exactly right. And then, and then, you know, again, getting it to the people. I think. Um, microwaves and the internet have spoiled us you know mm-hmm. it used to be a time when it was time for dinner your mom would tell you hey dinner's at 6 30 but it's 4 30 now i know it's getting ready you need to start getting ready whereas now if you want something to eat you just pop something in the microwave hit 15 seconds and it's done not you in know, my house i <laughs> <laughs> I, cook. Or I can order something just like from amazon or another distributor yeah, sure. i can order something and in two days it's here yeah. Six to eight weeks used to be the norm. You're, yeah. you're in that in that generation. You know, wait, si- please wait six to eight weeks for delivery. Yeah. Okay, fine. There's no reason I don't think. I mean, outside of the actual physical building of it, mm-hmm. the the fact that it takes so so long. I think a lot of these guys can use some some material 
um, support. A million dollars isn't necessarily going to fix it, but it, it, it goes a long way because then other people start bandwagoning onto this, right? Sure. Um, they see this, these guys got this study. Well, I want to be a part of that study. I have information to share mm-hmm. about you know, blunt force impact. So right. let's improve that weapon. Or I have information to say on how to move so this weapon doesn't necessarily have to be that heavy. And, hey, look, I have one forge. If I could buy 10 forges and hire these guys, I can get you guys materials. Instead of six weeks, it'll be three. And right. so now you are you have better accessibility to the pursuit. I think mm-hmm. equipment is a big... Um, big bottleneck. Roadblock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's really your ticket into really enjoying this pursuit fully, I think. If you're properly protected, okay. again, you're not worried about, okay, if I throw this strike, am I going to get hurt, or is this person going to hurt, get hurt? And then you can uh, really concentrate on it, and it uh, informs a better experience in, in my sure. head. Okay. Um, just uh, I'm just going to so sidebar. I'll cut this bit out. Um, okay. Is there anywhere you particularly want me to send people after they've listened to this? So, like, is there a website you particularly want them to go and see or somewhere to find you online or anything like that? Yeah, they can, so um, I, I they forgot can to find ask me. you that at the beginning. Okay. Um, um, they can find me mm-hmm. online. Um, on um, uh, My Facebook is Arian.Scott, A-I-R-R-I-O-N. Well, Arian Scott, you can find me that way. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm memeing. I, I'm all over the place when it comes to my content. So you know, <laughs> okay. if, if you don't see me, chances are that you know somebody that does. Um, but the club's website is uh, mashes.net, M-A-S-H, um, M-A-S-H-S dot net. Um, and uh, that gives you all the contact information. Mm-hmm. It, it shows what we teach. Yep. Um, it even gives you uh, our curriculum as well. Um, and again, that's the, the point of the accessibility. There was a time where you had to go to a brick and mortar to get that kind of thing. Yep. But Larry and his wisdom has decided to say, hey, here's what we teach and these are our drills. Even if you can't come or you want to see how these drills actually work, then, you know, it, the ability of our community to share information is phenomenal. Once we get the egos out of the way. Once the ego gets out of the way, we understand it's not proprietary information and we all benefit. Oh, my God, the, the, the potential for this thing to grow. And that's what people don't understand right. in, my, in my head. Yes, this is a niche pursuit, but it thrives on, so, on us um, being sociable and sharing. We, we, yeah. I'm not a sword fighter. I'm not a duelist if I don't duel anyone, right? Yeah. I'm not, a, not in a study group. I'm not an instructor if I don't have anybody that wants to come learn. Yeah, so, I was sorry. I was I was going to cut out that that bit, and then I was going to talk about. Oh, go find him on Facebook, or find him on mashs.net. But actually, <laughs> actually, you took that and ran with it, so I'm just going to leave it in. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, no, no. It's great. It's great. It's great. <laughs> it's it's very nice to interview somebody who actually talks. Well, hey, hey, be careful what you wish for, guys. That is great. For hours, for hours. (laughs) Um, My my partner um, always says that uh, tournaments for me Mm -hmm. end about an hour and a half after the posted ending time. Right. Because I have to stay and talk. I have to talk. And then I'll... Yeah, I, well, she says I have to hold court, and it's, it's I get I get so I, I may not know what I'm talking about, but damn it, I'm going to be passionate about it. You so, <laughs> I think sure. I think a lot of people are attracted by that, um, and 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 you know I, I would have to say my experience guy is just in the skin that I'm in really informs my experience in HMA. Um, I know we weren't going to talk about it, but it's 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 largely important to me, especially to folks that, that feel marginalized or look like me that want to do it, I tell them to do it. This is fantastic. The tribe is wonderful. There's no greater feeling of equality to me, perceived or otherwise, than when you don that mask. Once that mask comes down, it's it's about what you've studied. It's, a, that, that, that's, it's show and prove time, right? Mm-hmm. You can have your opinion all day on this matter or that matter. You can speak. You know, you could speak to this but when it comes to fencing and you line up on that line with that blue or red armband and you put that mask on, you hear that marshal say fence. That's when all the pretense goes away. Right. Mm-hmm. And then and, and I say get into it if you want that feeling of equality, if you want that feeling of inclusiveness, mm-hmm. get into it. And know that you're going to be looked at because that's just human nature. That, and that's probably why a lot of my gear is uh, like the keep it 
maintained and, and on point because people are going to look at me when I walk in the door. I, mm -hmm. I, it, it can't be helped. This is human nature. We're in a niche pursuit, and I'm a unique individual in that niche pursuit. Right. So, you know, I, I, my, my upbringing, I'll never forget my dad said in a lot of our parents probably told us a variation of this, but he said, son, never forget in this world, you in particular will always have to work twice as hard to get half as much. Mm -hmm. So what I'd like to think, Guy, is what caused you to call me is not just the uniqueness of this, but sure. you see the work ethic. You know, I may not know it. I may not be as decorated as a lot of these people, but, you know, I, I vow myself, nobody in the room will ever, ever, ever outwork me. They won't. They, they just won't because that's what, they're that's what they're expecting. They're expecting me not to work, mm -hmm. you know. So when I show the work and I show the passion, I show that, hey, I'm here to meet you on this, on this same level. And if we disagree, we can put on a mask and go step in the circle. Mm -hmm. Then we can talk afterwards. You know? <laughs> and and, and sure. it, yeah, but it, it's, it's, you know, I think we're all a bit, you know, again, ostentatious in that mindset. We're all a bit, you know, ag aggressive in that. If you're at a tournament, mm -hmm. you're there to, to beat people in, in the friendliest, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, uh, mindset possible. But, you know, just understand that people are going to look at you. Let them look. You know, that's what men's eyes are made for, to gaze. So give them something pretty to look at. You know, and then mm -hmm. when they come talk to you about it, be humble in your approach. Um, know that people, especially in this community, by and large, want you to be better, if only to make you a better opponent for them. Mm -hmm. And there are that's why I got into teaching. So I started teaching yeah. swordsmanship, so I'd have people to fight. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, exactly, absolutely right. So um, you know, I've loved my journey so far. I look forward to another four, eight, sixteen years, and uh, hopefully, I'll be in a position where. The roles are reversed, and I can interview you one day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, I look forward to that day. Well, thank you very much, Iron. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I hope to see you of course, guy. on my next trip over to the States. Of course, my friend. thousand thank yous. I appreciate it. Love, no and, love and respect. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Arian. I certainly did. Remember to go along to guywindsor.net forward slash podcast to get the episode show notes and your free copy of sword fighting for writers game designers and martial artists remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and tune in next week when i'll be talking to kaya sadowski author of fear is the mind killer see you then